Greetings in the precious name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you all for your presence here this morning. I've enjoyed the service and the input, things that have been shared here today. Seth pretty well uh, gave my message on a children's level. So now I'll give the same message on an adult level. Um, And that's a blessing. I appreciate that. And you'll understand, I think, as I... uh, as we go through the message, the, the, the core subject is the same, even though I'll use different words to express it. <clears throat> Perhaps we could take a moment and uh, seek the Lord in prayer. Maybe if you're able, we could stand together. Father, thank you for the door of opportunity that is open to us to come to you in prayer, making our requests known with thanksgiving. Father, we are thankful this morning, thankful for the privilege and freedom we have in our country to gather, to worship, to be, to teach and to be taught, to draw near to you, Father, to uh, lift up your name, to invite souls to Christ. Father, thank you for all those opportunities that are, are open to us and we are unhindered by the governments and those around us and we thank you for that. We ask, Father, that today again this service could be a means of blessing and edification for your people. It has been already. We could easily go home and have plenty to consider and ponder in working out in everyday life experiences, Father. We would have plenty of instruction, and yet we'll take just a bit more time and look at a few more scriptures. And today, again, I pray that the Spirit of God would give understanding in the the beautiful subjects of God's Word. And the beautiful subjects of the Christian life. Thank you. Thank you for each one present. Ask a blessing on each one. Meet each need here today by your spirit. Lord, do that which we cannot do as human beings. But uh, we look to you and pray that the word that is spoken could be spirit and could be life. Thank you in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I'll open with uh, 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 3. And if you wish to turn to that, you can. 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 3. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. I read that verse to reflect just a little. Um, those of you who are here on a regular basis probably remember that um, 
I once had a devotional on verse, this verse and other verses like that where the subjects of faith and love and hope are either in the same verse or all in very close proximity in the scriptures. And so after uh, just a brief devotional on and looking at the various scriptures where that where that happens, those three subjects are clustered together. I then felt inspired to take each of those subjects, faith, hope, and love, and share a message on each one. And so today we're down to the third one, which is love. We uh, I've already shared on a, a message on faith, shared a message on hope, and today we have the subject of love before us. This, this verse, and there's a, a verse in Hebrews that also uses the same phrase in Hebrews 6 verse 10, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, in that ye ministered to the saints and do minister. I've chosen to just simply take that phrase, your labor of love, and use that as the title. Um, I don't know if we would consider love a labor, but uh, we'll at least uh, we'll have uh, some uh, discussion on the subject of love, and maybe at the end we can decide whether it's it's labor or whether it's fun or whether it's uh, easy or or it just uh, happens. Uh, so yeah, we'll. Uh, Maybe talk about that a little bit at the end if I remember. <clears throat> Your labor of love. We have in 1 Corinthians 13.13, 13, we have this, this word from Paul. He says, and now abideth faith, hope, and charity or love. Um, these three... But he doesn't stop there. He says the greatest of these is charity or love. The greatest of these is love. Now abideth faith, hope, and love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. And I thought this morning, uh, perhaps we could examine that a bit in the beginning of the message here. Why? Why does... Uh, why does Paul say that? The greatest of these is love. Uh, and these three subjects, faith, hope, and love. Um, I'm not sure if we, each one of us personally, would evaluate each one of those themes, faith and hope and love in our own lives and experience. Um, I'm not sure if we would come up with the same conclusion that Paul did or not, that the greatest is love. Uh, but I think, I think when we get to the end of the message, if we haven't already concluded that that is probably the case, greatest is love, I think we'll uh, trust we'll understand maybe why Paul would have said that. Uh, Jesus, and that is our first, first point, why is love the greatest? Uh, Jesus said these words in John 13, 34, and 35, this is a familiar scripture to us. He says, A new commandment I give unto you, 
that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Uh, You know, we could ask the same question again. Why does Jesus use the subject of love to... um, and declares that it's by that that men will know that we're his disciples. Why didn't he say by your faith uh, will all men know that you're my disciples? Why didn't he say by your hope will all men know that you're my disciples? Why did he say love? Also, uh, just as kind of a side note that came to mind, uh, this subject of love as it's given here, uh, charity, agape in the Greek, uh, reading in the vines this morning, and I had known this and I was reminded of it, but the, this concept of love, the agape, is actually, it, it, it was a concept that was a pretty much unknown in the Old Testament. A, pr- a concept that was pretty much introduced with the New Testament. And, uh, and the, uh, the vines uh, dictionary stated that you can't really go back into history to get definition for it before the beginning of the New Testament, because it's a concept that was introduced uh, at that time. And, and you know, quite interesting, uh, the New Testament church, uh, Jesus Christ, having given his, uh, given the ultimate, uh, sh- uh, showing the ultimate love to us, uh, it, it actually seems quite fitting for it to be introduced at that point in, uh, in life. So why didn't why like I said why didn't Jesus uh, why isn't it faith why isn't it hope that uh, is uh, the demonstration of our uh, that uh, that we're disciples <clears throat> you know the uh, the uh, first Corinthians talks about uh, prophecies will cease uh, tongues they'll uh, those seeds, prophecies, I forget, uh, without looking at it, I probably won't quote it exactly, but he talks about those things ending and failing, but he says, uh, love, charity, never fails, he says. And uh, think about it. Um, why is love lifted up? Why did Jesus say that by that all men shall know that you're my disciples? You know, faith, faith will have an end when it becomes sight. You know, it's only faith as long as we don't, you know, we don't see. We, we don't uh, see the full picture. Once we see and understand the full picture, then it's no longer faith. Faith will become sight at some point. Hope will also have an end when it is realized. The scripture tells us if, uh, if a man sees it, uh, why does he yet hope for it? Uh, once we realize it, once we... Uh, See Jesus face to face, then hope is realized. That's what we're hoping for, right? That's the hope that we have within us. And once we see him, uh, hope is, when it's realized, it's done. So faith, uh, at a certain point, it will be finished. Hope, at a certain point, it will expire. But when will uh, love expire? When does that complete? Uh, it ha- It won't, because when we leave this life and we uh, enter the eternal kingdom, it's a kingdom of what? A kingdom of love. 
will know love in a much greater and fuller dimension than ever. And it will be an, an eternal existence. And so love, uh, it knows no end. It knows no bounds. It has no limitations. <clears throat> and thus, I believe, is why it is lifted up as the greatest. It, uh, it uh, can't be, uh, yeah, can't be exhausted. Let's also consider just for a moment uh, the the very the, the thought of Jesus saying that by this shall all men know you're my disciples. You know, let's just consider it on on our everyday level of life. You know, life as we experience it. You know, life consists of human beings interacting on a variety of levels. That's life. You know, it's just the way it is it's where we live it's it's uh, monday through sunday or sunday through saturday it's 24 7 nearly probably not conscious of it when we're sleeping but you know it's life interactions with uh, human beings on some on a variety of levels so how how would uh, my faith be demonstrated in my interactions with you. Let's say we're, we're trying to consider now why couldn't faith be the subject that would demonstrate to the world our love and our commitment to Christ? Why wouldn't faith be that subject? Why wouldn't hope be that subject? You know, on that everyday interaction level, uh, faith is a part of it. It's not, ob- you know, it's not uh, negated. It's, it's not uh, that, it's not a part of our experience, but in those interactions, how would our faith demonstrate? How would it be demonstrated? How would hope be demonstrated in those uh, moment by moment, day by day, you know, interactions? But then let's ask the question, how about love? Can that be demonstrated in our interactions? Quite obviously, you know, uh, uh, a, a bountiful amount of opportunity. And we could say, is there anything else in our experience, again, as human beings interacting with each other, is there anything else in our experience that could demonstrate our kingdom commitment to unbelievers around us? Is there anything besides love that actually could do it, could demonstrate? And I... I think we have to conclude there isn't. What else would it be? What else could it be that would give uh, give a testimony to a world around us? Give a testimony to to uh, to uh, the unbeliever or even even the believer, for that matter, of our commitment and our love and our loyalty to Christ. Then. The fact of loving one another. So, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. <clears throat> all right. So, the greatest of these is love, and it's through that love that people, that we can most effectively demonstrate our. Commitment to Christ and uh, 
his kingdom. The second point I'd like to consider just for a moment is, can love be pretended? Uh, can it be, can, can love be a pretense? Can we uh, pretend to love when in actuality we aren't? Uh, Romans 12.9 tells us this, let love be without dissimulation. That word dissimulation uh, well, let me read another verse and then we'll talk a little bit about that. First Peter one twenty two, seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. So we have unfeigned love of the brethren and we have let love be without dissimulation. And those words are the same Greek words, uh, unfeigned and dissimulation. And they simply uh, give this, the, basically they're just saying without hypocrisy, without pretense. Let love be without pretense. Uh, so can love be a pretense? Uh, I think we'll discover that it can actually be. Uh, I'd like to compare... Uh, two scriptures in the first Corinthians 13:3, and this is familiar to any Bible reader, I'm sure. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. So that's one verse on the one side of the spectrum of, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, Kind of a, a shocking verse when you stop and think about it. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. Though I give my body to be burned. Can somebody do those things without love? Can somebody actually pretend that far? Well, maybe. Anyhow, a contrasting verse. And we're looking at, we want to compare a little bit of... of uh, we want to see a pretense and we want to see a reality. So let's look at the reality that Jesus speaks of and he identifies in a group of people in Matthew 25. Matthew 25, and I invite you to turn there because we're going to look at a number of verses, even though it is familiar. Where Jesus commends similar action as we saw in uh, 1 Corinthians 13.3. Matthew 25.31-40 When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory, and before Him shall be gathered all nations, and He shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was an hungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. I was naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord... When saw we thee and hungered and fed thee or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in or naked and clothed thee? When saw we thee in prison, sick 
or in prison, and came unto thee. And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. That scripture gives us kind of a contrast to 1 Corinthians 13.3, where it speaks of also of giving to feed the poor and uh, even sacrificing, uh, giving my body to be burned and have not charity. It profits nothing. But in this uh, scripture, it, it's they're commended for their uh, for their uh, care and their love and their giving. So uh, we have uh, we have before us. Uh, a profitable giving, something that, uh, you know, it was done and it profited. It was beneficial. It was eternal. It it was recognized at the end of life. And that's what we all want, right? We want our our lives to be recognized as having been for the kingdom and been for God. And then we have over in 1 Corinthians uh, where he, Paul, warns us that it, we can do those very same things. But if we do it without love, it's empty and it's. It's uh, vain and it's profitless. And so the question comes up, uh, can we give without love? And I suppose the scripture has already answered that. Uh, We actually can. You know, we can actually do the right thing without love in our hearts. Um, That is a possibility. But then I'd like to raise another question. Can we love without giving if we can give without loving can we love without giving can we uh, can we declare to have uh, love in our hearts but turn a cold shoulder to a need around us first uh, John answers that for us and I uh, see some heads uh, nodding this way and that way indicating that uh, that uh, we can't love without giving when there's a, a need around us. And First John 3, verse 16 through verse 18, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And that scripture answers it very clearly. You know, if we have uh, we have this world's goods, there's someone around us that is in a need, and we just close our heart to it, and the challenge comes to us, okay? So you have the love of God in you, you say, but you can close your heart to a need, of someone around you, how 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 is that? The love of God is basically what the, what he's saying. <clears throat> how dwelleth the love of God in him? To not love in word and in tongue. Uh, I believe it's James that talks about. Uh, um, to, saying to someone, "Be ye warmed and filled," but not doing anything to meet the need, what profit is it? You know, um, so not just loving in in word and in tongue, but in deed and in truth, loving in in reality. 
So the bottom line in this uh, this question or this uh, these thoughts is simply that yes, we can we can uh, we can actually give without loving, and it's empty and it's profitless. But we cannot love without giving. We cannot claim to have the love of God in our hearts if it doesn't if we're not moved to minister and meet the needs of those that are around us that we obviously could. Now I'd like to out of that present another question and that is this is it wrong to do a loving deed when I don't feel love in my heart? You know um it, it, uh, do we always feel like loving? Do we always feel like doing what we know should be done in a given situation? Uh, let me just read this verse or these couple verses in Romans 12, verse 19 to 21 says this, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. You know, do we ever find ourselves in situations where we know what is the right response? Like this uh, scripture says, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If, uh, if uh, he's thirsty, give him a drink. Uh, return good for evil. Uh, turn the other cheek, uh, go the second mile, you know, all those kind of things. Um, do we ever find ourselves in situations where we know, we know what the right thing is to do, we know what the scriptures would teach us to do, but we're having a tough time bringing the heart along to actually do it. Does that ever happen? And is it wrong? You know, we talked about, uh, and I'm responding to 1 Corinthians 13, where it says about, uh, uh, though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profits me nothing. So I'm raising this question. So if I don't, if I'm wrestling with actually feeling love in my heart, is it, am I a hypocrite to do a loving deed? And we like to answer that question. <clears throat> is it profitable still to still do right even when I don't feel like it? even when I'm wrestling to bring my heart along with the right that should be done. I'd like to take you, and that scripture was actually read here this morning. I don't remember who read it and what the context was. I think it was. But, uh, or maybe I'm thinking of something else. But I'd like to take us to the to the garden where Jesus wrestled as he uh, faced the crucifixion, as he faced the cross. And he, uh, he prayed uh, several times, asking the Father that the cup would pass from him. But nevertheless, I would drink it. You know, there's, a, there's actually exactly what we're talking about. He was, uh, he, he knew what, what, was before him. He knew what the pathway was. He knew there was only one pathway, and yet his heart wrestled to come along with that pathway. 
did that negate his uh, ministry? Did that negate his testimony? The fact that he, at that moment, wrestled to bring his heart along with what was in front of him. We know it didn't. It did not negate his uh, his uh, validity as an offering for our sins in any way. And I like to say this. Love is not defined in the moment. But love is defined in the journey. You know, Christ's life clearly uh, defined his care and his love for us. And he finished the mission to the end. Even though there was that moment of wrestling in the garden. That was a reality. And may I say that the same is true for each of us. Our love, our personal, uh, your, your love, your character, your, uh, your reality is not defined in those moments of struggle, particularly. Those moments of struggle can begin to define you if you allow them to. But you're not defined by the moments of struggle. You're defined by the journey of life. Now, if those moments of struggle become the everyday reality and you're continually uh, wrestling with the things that uh, God is putting before you, well, eventually that becomes your reality and then you do have a serious problem. So, no, uh, it is not wrong. In fact, it is right. I like to think of it. Uh, it's right to do good even when we're wrestling to bring our heart along uh, because it's a little bit like... Um, the children of Israel, when they uh, went to cross the Red Sea, they were instructed to step into the water. And when they stepped into the water, the water parted. And that's an illustration that is often reality in our lives when we're when we're facing difficulties and 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 uh, uh, we know the way to go, but we wrestle to go. Sometimes we just simply need to put our foot front in faith, even though we're not feeling much good of anything about it, and the waters part. When we do that. Uh, so there's uh, just want to clarify that uh, in light of that verse there in First Corinthians. Your uh, your love is not defined in the moment, but in the journey. <clears throat> Those moments are not what define you and your love. So. Keep on. Loving, even if at times you wrestle to bring your heart along. Keep on doing the right thing and uh, trust your heart will catch up and uh, become a part of the reality. <clears throat> All right. And then the, the, the fourth point we like to consider this morning for a bit is, is just kind of bringing it down home a bit. And that is, am I motivated by love? And how, and, uh, yeah. How do we, how do we determine that? One of the, and uh, we had that focus up here with that paper and trimming off the, the edges and giving it away, uh, very much in the focus. First Corinthians thirteen five, speaking of love, says it seeketh not her own. So, if we were to uh, Draw a little stick character here. Love seeketh not her own. Uh, 
So if love seeketh not her own, then there's a there's what we would call an outward focus from this person. A person is uh, looking and conscious or aware of of surrounding circumstances. And who, who said it? Somebody said it. A person all wrapped up in themselves is a pretty small package. Uh, so love seeks not her own, whereas uh, if if uh, a self-seeking individual, would it would look more like this. And the focus is on on myself and and what uh, what profit I get in life and circumstances and situations and so love. One of the characteristics of true love is that it does not seek its own. It's not turned backward and inward, but it's got an outward focus. Uh, Romans twelve verse ten tells us to be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love in honor preferring one another. And Galatians 5.13 tells us that uh, it says this, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty as an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. And so the, uh, the emphasis there. You've been called unto liberty. Now, Galatians is a book of trying to help the Christians uh, understand their freedom from the law and, 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 and a law mentality in a New Testament age. And he says they're, uh, they're uh, called unto liberty. Okay? So you're, 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 uh, the gospel is a call to liberty, to, 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 to freedom. You're not you're not hemmed in by thou shalt nots and thou, but don't use that as an opportunity to turn the focus on yourself and do what pleases you. Rather, it's the opportunity to, by love, serve one another, is what he's saying there, and to focus outwardly and to and to uh, seek to serve. And so, by these several verses that we've looked at, and there could be more we see the, a clear focus coming out and that is simply that of a uh, the, uh, coming out of love and that is simply others. You know, the focus is others. Some of you will probably recognize this little, uh, I don't know if it's a poem or what it is, but I remember it from years ago. It goes like this, Lord, let me live from day to day in such a self-forgetful way that even when I kneel to pray, my prayer might be for others. Others, Lord, yes, others, let this my motto be, that while I've lived for others, I may have lived like thee. I don't know if I had all the words correct to it, but that's, as, that's the way I got it out of my memory. But it's, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's a powerful uh, little... Uh, Word, phrase, poem. Let me live from day to day in such a self-forgetful way. Forgetting about myself. Forgetting about my own problems. Forgetting about my own whatevers. And noticing the opportunities that are in life around me. The opportunities to touch someone else's life. And like this says, that even when I kneel to pray, my prayer might be for others Talked about prayer a little bit this morning. Uh, and that's a challenge. You know, when I kneel to pray, my prayer might be for others. 
rather than me. Not saying it's wrong to pray for ourselves. I think it's right, but uh, it's a good thing to consider. Others, Lord, yes, others, let this my motto be, that while I've lived for others, I may have lived like thee. So in outward focus, seeking the benefit of others, Jesus also said these words in John 15:12. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And we could, we could spend a few moments and just consider that. What does that actually mean, a man lay down his life for his friends? You know, does that mean that... Um, in a very dire situation, I see a robber ready to club you over the head and I go intervene and then I get clubbed over the head. Is that what it means? Um, is that what my life, is that what that means? Lay down his life. You know, it, I think it comes down into much smaller increments than that. Some big event. But basically, it could mean, uh, it could mean laying down my time could mean laying down my talents, uh, using my time, using my talents, using my abilities, uh, my energies for the benefit and blessing of someone else as opposed to for my own benefit, for my own blessing. Uh, laying down my life for my friend. Giving of ourselves to benefit another rather than just for our own benefit. So that is, according to Jesus, the greatest demonstration of love is that we are able to lay down our lives in various ways for our brethren, for our friends. I'd like to uh, kind of, uh, in our closing thoughts, go to Colossians Chapter 3. In, uh, of course, Colossians 3 begins with the verse, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, and and gives us a, a clear oh, platform for this whole chapter in that uh, we're Christians. We're risen with Christ. We're uh, seeking a, the, the kingdom. And so all the instruction that follows is, is given to us from that standpoint that we are Christians. We are believers in Christ. We have, uh, and so then in verse 12 he says, after various other instructions, he says, Put on therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as God, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Now, I originally looked at that and uh, thought, wow, that really defines love. 
those various things in there, uh, bowels of mercies, uh, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. What a definition of love. But then look at the next verse. And above all these, put on charity. Now, what does that mean? Above all these, put on charity. So now, how are we going to define charity? We were, I was going to define it by the previous verses, but now he says above all these. Anyhow, it was an interesting note. But uh, I believe the uh, the previous statements do uh, define charity. Uh, you know, bowels of mercies. Uh, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. Uh, they do define charity, I believe. And yet, the writer uh, kind of puts charity out there as even a notch above it yet, and above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Um, so, You know, 1 John 4.12 tells us that no man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. The, um, I guess we would say again, the, the greatest testimony of God's grace at work in our lives is our love to our fellow man. Um, if we if we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Um, wow, there's a lot said there. So the greatest testimony of God's work in our lives is actually the love that we have for our fellow man and those around us. And these these comments in Colossians definitely define it. Bows of mercies, um, you know, we can just think of of God and His mercies. His mercies, uh, the Scripture tells us, His mercies are new every morning. He's, his uh, His uh, heart toward us, He He relates to us with mercies. In other words, He, even though we uh, aren't such perfect and lovely human beings. He relates to us with mercies, even though, even in spite of our imperfections. Um, and kindness, to be kind, and humbleness of mind, and meekness, and forgiving, forbearing, being patient with one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel, to forgive, even as Christ forgave us, so also do ye. And put on charity. Uh, uh, Romans 5, about the third or fourth verse in there in Romans 5 speaks of, uh, of uh, hmm, let me turn to it. Talking about uh, 
rejoicing in hope of the glory of God in verse 2, and not only so in Romans 5, 3, and not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. So we have there the uh, the idea that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. And then in Colossians, we had the thought of putting on love, um, perhaps exercising love, which is a bond of perfectness. Um, it's kind of nice to know that it's it's not something we, you know, manufacture, <laughs> but it's God working in us. And as we respond in, in, in life situations and perhaps you'd say choose to love, choose to extend love to each other. Uh, the Spirit of God works it in our hearts, kind of a working together of the Spirit of God and and uh, in us choosing uh, to love. And then uh, we had in the, in the uh, introduction I read uh, Hebrews 6, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, in that ye ministered to the saints and do minister. You know, Jesus made a comment in Matthew 10.42 that a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple will not lose its reward. And uh, and like the Hebrew writer says that God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. Um, you know, love, is it labor? Is it, does it feel like labor sometimes, like hard work? It probably does. It probably is at times. Um, but remember this, God is not forgetful. You know, you put forth effort, you engage in loving others, you engage in laying down your life for others. You, like it says there in Hebrews, minister, um, you minister to the saints and do minister. Uh, maybe sometimes it, Life can feel like uh, uh, you give and you give and you give and you give, but God is not forgetful. You know, even a cup of cold water isn't forgotten by God, uh, and that's encouraging. So your labor of love, may uh, may we be encouraged to to love, and uh, recognizing that it is in fact the highest. Highest demonstration of uh, the highest demonstration of the kingdom that we can express to the world around us to love one another and to uh, what a challenge! Perhaps we can just take a moment again, close our eyes, bow our heads. Father, we thank you for your provision for us in Christ. We thank you that the love of God can be shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Thank you for all those provisions. And then thank you for the opportunities. Uh, We live in this life. Uh, We have our existence here in this time. And there are many opportunities day by day that each one of us has. And and, uh, pray that we could seize those opportunities and not allow them to... uh, Lead away without having demonstrated your love, your uh, grace, your care to a, a world around us. 
ask your blessing on each one present again here today. Uh, work out uh, your grace and care in each heart today. And may we all find comfort and hope in you as we realize that you do give us a clear pathway in life. And uh, if we walk in it, we will receive the blessing. So, Father, go go with us, each one of us individually, and uh, cause your face to shine upon us and make us a blessing, help us to be a blessing. We thank you in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.